Welcome to Bygone Geek. Loading another awesome episode in 3, 2, 1, launch. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? There's something very important I forgot to tell you. Come with me if you want to learn. Eric, ever dance with the devil in the pale moon night? You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Look, you're a real nice guy, and I like you a lot. But for right now, shut up. There is something I have to tell you. I'm Bygone Geek. What are you? I'm Batman. <laughs> you took it from me, David. My first question was going to be, you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? <laughs> I've been saying it uh, to anyone, random strangers on the street. Hey, you ever dance with the pale moonlight? <laughs> what I love is Keaton's delivery at the end. It's just like a, like he's a general person. Just, hey, did you ever dance with Like, did he read that? Like, as a line in the, from the movie? <laughs> oh, man. It is, there is something, though, about hearing Jack Nicholson's Joker laugh that you're like, oh, I forget how good this is. <laughs> yes, yes. I think we, it's interesting that we're talking about Batman, the the first movie iteration, uh, definitely for our generation. Yeah. Um, which we've had a lot of Batman since then, and we've had two Jokers. And I think it's very interesting that with which maybe the defining superhero movie in The Dark Knight, we have Heath Ledger's Joker, and that will stand the test of time now for for obvious reasons. But I think it speaks volume of how good Nicholson's Joker is. That will also stand the test of time. Uh, and this movie, rewatching it, just always, it just reminds me, like you said, how great he is and how captivating he was. Yeah. And how you talk about, there's a lot of talk about method acting and this and that. And this and that. I mean, Nicholson is this role too. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's, you know, in sports, we talk about who's the GOAT and this and that and this and that. And, and people will say Jordan is the best. I don't know if there's a goat talk about who's Joker. I'm sure there is. Oh, for sure. They're they are different though. But I mean, I don't. Nicholson paved the way, in my opinion, if that makes sense. I agree. Yeah, I agree because I feel like um, oh, I'm drawing a blank to what his his name is, and I feel like this will anger the hardened DC nerds that listen to our <laughs> podcast. Caesar Rom Caesar Romaro, maybe? Was he the original Joker in the Adam West TV show? Yes, yeah. yeah. And he, he had the look and everything. He did, but he wasn't quite his method because it's like now in my older years, you realize that, you know, he refused to shave his mustache. Um, <laughs> like when you look at like the high def re, like remasters of the Adam West Batman show, he refused to shave his mustache. So you can see underneath the white oil paint, his stubbly mustache, but he was good. But you're a thousand percent right. When it came to Jack Nicholson, there was something about... You almost don't need the face makeup. He already right. has from like The Shining, uh, One Flew Over uh, the Cuckoo's Nest. His smile and the amount of teeth he shows in his eyes yeah. are so Joker-esque. So it made sense that you paint his face white, you give him green hair, and you do that makeup. It's just timeless. Like that's what right. you think of. But, I mean, him and Heath, man, that's what really what you think of when you think of the Joker. 
it's funny that we're talking about just we we don't really spend a lot of time talking about the digital age and things that can be done now in movies and all you know we've got uh, later down the road Indiana Jones and Dial of, De- Dial of Destiny and they're talking about how they de-aged him for the movie and this and that your story about the first Joker and the mustache all I could think of how Henry Cavill couldn't <laughs> shave his mustache <laughs> for <true>. DC's <laughs> Superman because it's a Mission Impossible movie yeah but we've come a long way. Oh, for that sure. That was like 10 steps back, though, with his DA. The mustache, it was they bad. messed that up on It was DC. the worst CGI I've ever right? seen. I couldn't get over And the movie, I mean, I feel like that movie starts with Henry Cavill, like, talking into a kid, like, recording on a cell phone. And I just was only staring at his upper lip. I'm like, it, this looks horrible. It looked like when Conan O'Brien would do the Arnold Schwarzenegger mouth. Yeah. Oh, my God, it I totally was like, did. is that the same tech from, did they just run? I don't know. But, yes, Joker, uh, Heath, and, and Jack, uh, some love for the animated version, which I didn't really know until much later, but in the Arkham games, Mark Hamill is yeah. the voice. I mean, super you, sinister sounding, yeah. And that's the thing. You nailed it with the laugh, right? Mm-hmm. I think that must be one of the first, like, can you do this laugh without it sounding corny right. or lame? It's got to be haunting, but also fun, which I can't, it's got to be super hard to do. Oh, I can't um, imagine. Yeah. You know, but this, this movie, um, I'm very curious on your, your start with Batman. Now, anyone who's listened to this podcast, um, you know, 68, 69, 70 episodes, like we've talked about Batman. Yeah. We've done the battle of the Batman. Mm-hmm. Like we have a love for this, for this topic. What I have shared, and I am, I will still kind of. Well, we'll see. We'll see if you can change my mind here. Not you'll never change the Bill Murray aspect, but maybe you'll change this aspect. <laughs> oh wait, what was that? What did you say? I David? love Bill Murray. Oh no, oh, what'd you say? I love Bill Murray. Oh, that's what I thought. <laughs> I love oh, Bill okay. Murray. Oh no. <laughs> It's for you want to get nuts. Let's get nuts. <laughs> That's forever on the soundboard. Seventy more episodes. It's going to be sitting right there for a when moment. I visit, like I'm going to just pour water over everything <laughs> and fry it all. <laughs> um, I'll blame it on Wick. Wick did it. Um, you know, I I will have said like Keaton. While very cool, and and well, I'll I'll also say this too. A big reason we're doing this is because the Flash is coming out, mm-hmm. and we have gotten another piece of nostalgia coming full force back, proving it's never gone. Right? Yeah. Like it is here to stay. We're just bringing it back in time. So they brought back Keaton as as Batman, and uh, so it's huge. That's huge news, especially for anyone who loved this movie. And I'm not saying I didn't. I did. I did. Long story short here, Keaton wasn't my Batman, though. Mm. Um, But I do remember watching this repeatedly. Uh, I remember the logo and all that, having it on VHS. I don't have any memories seeing it in theaters. But your point today, your goal today is to sell me more on this movie Mm -hmm. and on Keaton. Because there are actors who I was like, wait, can Heath be Joker? I totally believed Ben Affleck could be Batman, who I know a lot of people didn't. I am like, Keaton? Yeah. Him? You know, so you have admission today. We'll see right. how, how it goes. But where did Batman start for you? It, it Batman definitely started for me because of this movie. I feel like whoever did the marketing and the kind of community based 
stuff for this movie did a phenomenal job because I feel like straight out of the gate, it's like they had the toys, they had a cereal, they had so much stuff for this movie. And clearly I feel like the studio with Tim Burton were like, this needs to be huge. It needs to be successful. And we're going to put every nickel we can into the advertising. And, um, so I, I don't feel like I saw this actually in 89 because I was four. I don't feel like my parents mm. would have let me watch this at four. But I, I stayed home and watched The Crow. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that's much more wholesome <laughs> of a film. It's not nearly as dark. Um, but uh, no, like we I, have Batman at home, The Crow. I mean, that's not a bad one. Like that's a good substitute. <laughs> yeah, it's like a hybrid between Batman and the face makeup of the Joker. You know, it's a little bit of both. Um, but no, I, I feel like I actually remember being pulled into this film because of the merchandising. Mm. Like I actually have, I have VHS footage of me. I think it's my fifth birthday. So it would have been 1990 months after this movie came out where my parents are like every once in a while when my parents were just too wrapped up in work and busy parent schedules of back in the day. Instead of wrapping my presents, they would, they'd literally just bring, my mom would just bring a bag out of nowhere and have me close my eyes and reach into the bag and just pull out an unwrapped toy. <laughs> uh, it saved time, but you know, it was just funny to watch now as an that. adult. Um, but literally everything I pulled out of that bag on like my fifth, sixth birthday was nothing but toys and like a replica grappling gun, a utility mm. belt with yeah. that golden logo on it. Like, so I was just immersed because of all the gizmos and gadgets and everything that like, that didn't exist for me as a kid up until this movie. Um, and they weren't like kiddie looking. They were bl- painted black and yeah. gold and looked just like the mo- what Keaton had, just a smaller version. Like I vividly remember the grappling gun and it looked just like Keaton's in this movie. And I had tons of the different action figures. And so I feel like it was around probably like 91, 92 that from all of the toys, I remember watching this on VHS and just being like, Holy smokes. Like I didn't to translate what Batman was on that card of an action figure to then seeing it on this television was just astonishing to me. And and there's, I think Tim Burton set a tone in my nostalgic brain from this movie of Mm -hmm. every time I watch, it doesn't matter if it's a a modern Tim Burton movie or if it was Beetlejuice or Edward Scissorhands. To me, they all have the tone of 1989's Batman. (laughs) Like the way that the world is built, the way that the makeup is done, the lighting and the dramatic look of everybody it just it goes back to this this original Batman to me. So yeah, I'll blame it on the the merchandising, you know, like in Spaceballs with yogurts, <laughs> you know, Spaceballs the you know the lunchbox, Spaceballs the flamethrower. It was totally this way for this movie. This Batman everything. It took over it took over the U.S. for like five years. I feel like between this and the the second movie, and then of course rolling into Kilmer, Clooney, like all of those different things. I mean, it was huge in the nineties. Absolutely. I mean, I can't, I wonder where it is. I had the same kind of thoughts about like, oh my gosh, it's had, it's Tim Burton, Edward Scissorhands all over it. Like, I wonder where that shift came. If you think about the other stuff we grew up with around Batman, I mean, there's all the jokes and the memes, like shark repellent, yes. the tights, yeah. the colors, the pow, wham, you know, yeah. climbing um, up a wall that's so clearly just flat and they tilted the camera. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it was just real cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. What? What? I I would be curious to be like where the studio executive is like, we're going to bring in a guy who's going to take this world in such a different direction for the first big iteration for this for the big picture screen yeah like i wonder how tim burton was given the reins to this um mm-hmm. twice no less yeah uh and what's wild and i've got a question for you later but we can kind of do just a quick you know as you know as well you know it was revealed at nick cage he was gonna do superman yeah and we've seen the photos of nick cage in the costume like tim burton was gonna be D- the dc yeah universe yeah um, yeah uh, it's an interesting shift from the Batman cartoons and uh, the live act, uh, live the show that we grew up with, to get this this dark, gritty yes. Gotham. And man, alive! As much as like go- the the characters in this Gotham is such a living, breathable, lived in city that he turned like from comic books pages to the screen. I felt yeah. like holy cow! He poured, paid a lot of attention to, to making Gotham look like it needed Batman. Yes. And I think that is really cool when you when when the, you realize yeah, the hero exists but when you see the city, oh that's that's why. Yeah. Gotham is in trouble. Yeah. Uh, well, and I know. read I read a thing that on the set design alone for Gotham, they spent over 5 million dollars on the set design and it shows. It, I mean, yeah. it, it is a living breathing character in this 1989 film. It really and, and I, it set a precedent that all future Batman movies that Gotham needs to be a character. It really right. did. Yeah. And, and I think that's what sold me on the Batman, this, the, the one we just had with Ed, uh, Robert Pattinson. Edward Pattinson. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Twilight fans. I'm one, I am one of them. Um, I, Robert Pattinson. I, I really looked to be like, what's Gotham going to look like? Yeah. It's become such, you know, uh, it's like the Back to the Few, it's like Hill Valley to me. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. What will it look like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, I definitely agree with you. Like, another shift in the toys we've talked about and the toys we had, the neon pink, the water, the super soakers, the yellows, the the the, the bright green. Dude, the, the stuff they sold was very adult, very military style, very yeah. like, is this a kid's toy? Because it was such a good replica. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, if, it wasn't... You can have it if it comes in black. <laughs> <laughs> Does it come back? It only comes in black. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, you know, uh, even the lunch, the cereal box. I, yeah. I actually had saw one at a local shop not too far from me. He had it and and uh, and opened it. It'd been like twenty over twenty five years. Um, mm-hmm. But even the box was not the typical kids' boxes we'd no. sit at the table and it's read. Giant logo. Like yeah. I don't even think it had Batman on the front. It was just the no. giant car emblem looking logo. And I, if I remember right, it was pretty much uh, C- Captain Crunch. Like, yeah. it was literally just <laughs> Captain Crunch. <laughs> did you grow up? Did, was that a thing, though, for you? Uh, you know, I, I remember that being on a table at some point because okay. it's just, I mean, as I loved, I don't know about you, but I loved walking down. I, you know what? Uh, what am I saying? I'm 38 and I still love walking down the cereal aisle. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, I feel like it is because we grew up in the era, like you said, of neon colors and bright things that I still am like, ooh, shiny stuff. Like I need, <laughs> like, and I inevitably, you don't leave the grocery, the, like you don't leave the cereal aisle with one box of cereal. No. It's like, 
three to six. Dude, that's easily. why I have kids. <laughs> oh, that's for the kids. Um, you've got, sir, you have a PS5, six boxes of Frosted Flakes, uh, 80 packs of Gushers. That's for the kids. It's for the, the children. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I love this, Harold. I mean, do we, you know, I, I haven't, I have not done my homework, though, on that. Like, do, do, do these things still exist? Like, with the Flash coming out, do we still, is, is cereal branded for superheroes and for kids? Is that still a no, selling factor? I don't know. Now that I think about it, I could maybe see them like pairing us type of maybe a toy from a movie in it. But I don't remember the last time I saw a movie based cereal. Because like there was a Ghostbusters cereal. There was um, a Batman Boo. cereal. Did you get it? <laughs> I get it. I get. It. I thought you were booing Bill Murray, and I was just—I was waiting Always. to click that sound drop. That's a, no, don't. I love Bill Murray, <laughs> but no, like I—I I honestly, I don't think you would know better than me with having kids. I don't think I've seen a solely movie-based serial in decades. Like no, I, I don't think so. Which seems like a kind of a missed opportunity. You would think that kids, you would think especially. Could you imagine if they would have had a Frozen cereal? Like oh. Harper would have lost her mind. Right. <laughs> like, that's probably all she would eat for breakfast for the Just past few years. Elsa on the box. Yeah, I'm sure. To, maybe that's why I do avoid it, though, because it's like, oh, boy. But, <laughs> you know, how, if I had Keaton here today, uh, I would ask him, you want to talk about nostalgia, being on the cereal boxes, being on the merchandise, stuff we're talking about from 1989 mm-hmm. to, 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 to bringing this guy back in yeah. 2023. And it's not like he's just been sitting on the couch. This is Michael Keaton we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, he was he was in the Marvel universe as Vulture. Yeah. You know, like the well, and he's also Birdman. The he may be typecast. <laughs> <laughs> so I would ask him about that. How do you feel about getting all these roles? I mean, how do you, I would how does this has got to be mind blowing to him to be at the fandom and the craze of the yeah. 1989 Batman to dude? I will not. I think you and I agree with this. That's the only reason I'm seeing the Flash. Oh, for like, sure. For the Batman's in this movie. I'm totally. You know, uh, it's it, you know, well, people have a little bit of uh, uh, coffee with their creamer. Like that is the Flash, man. I'm only just I need yeah. a little bit of the Flash. I want the rest of all Batman. Uh, this movie would tank if the Batman storyline wasn't in it. It really would. Nobody would yeah. come. Keaton is the draw in this film. He was yeah. before all of the PR crazy law breaking stuff. And he is solely like DC is lucky that they were filmed enough things for him to probably carry <laughs> this movie. Um, but I but, can't imagine because like Keaton is in his 70s. Right. That's what's crazy is I just couldn't comprehend. It's got to be same with I mean, we're going to have back to back episodes of, of this, but also back to back episodes of Indiana Jones. Same for Harrison Ford. You're right. I can't even imagine the feeling it must be to know that something you did in your early thirties, now in your seventies with Harrison Ford in your eighties still means something to people that it gives them chills, makes them tear up, makes them watch it with their kids or even some people watch it with their grandkids. I mean, it's, insane how nostalgia can stick for that long it really um, we, is we talked about goat status with the jokers yeah i'm not in this camp but my, people consider keaton the goat of batman a ton yeah a ton do you know yeah. i mean that's it's argue it's arguable but it's a big big base that he has oh for sure as being the best batman um which uh, yeah which is why i think you're right like we were waiting for the trailer to drop to see if we were going to see keaton what's it going to be like you know we were i know 
pitchforks are going to come at me for this, but I know people don't like the Disney Star Wars movies, but we were all, when the Force Awakens trailer dropped, and we got to see Han Solo back in the Falcon, and he says we're home. Mm -hmm. When we saw Keaton in the Batcave, that's the exact same thing, right? Turned up to, like, level nine, right? And he's like, he does it all, and it's like, oh my god, he's back with the cowl. It's him. This is happening for for real. Um, I'm very excited. I've heard... You know, Ben Affleck, who is the other Batman in this, he's, I think Ben's a fantastic director. He said things like, this movie's actually really good, which I don't know if he's, if that's a knock on his own BVS. And because, you know, you've seen all the sad flack interviews with him and right, Henry yeah. Cavill and all that. He seems really excited about this one. So I'm, yeah. I'm hoping because let's face it, we can talk about it. The Batgirl movie didn't happen, which Keaton was also supposed to be in. Right. Um, and I find, that mind-boggling to me that they wouldn't release that only Keaton's in it. I, right. I guess I thought that'd be a one-two punch, but when even you know, now Brendan Fraser is an Oscar level, yeah. like what are you doing? <laughs> like why are you just release it already? Brendan yeah, Fraser, a villain. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I find out, I found all that very interesting. I wonder if we will ever see a release of that movie, but either way we, we, we are getting Keaton back as the flash. And I'm very excited. And I am as much as, you know, uh, you're going to have to sell me on just this, if this is the best Batman movie and if he's the best Batman. I do love this movie. I do get amped the second it starts. I mean, let's let's even talk about again, again, Paul Scrutney strikes again <laughs> with the music. I mean, it's lights out. <laughs> it, you're right, though. This this um, I immediately, the second I started watching this movie, I'm like, man, this is, I think that's, this might be the best Batman score ever. Yeah. I really do. So I think that I could see why people are big into this. Like, if this is people's favorite Batman movie, the score to me, I a thousand percent agree. It, Danny yeah. Elfman, I think is his name. And what's funny is like, he literally is. He is the go-to any any Tim Burton movie. Like, yes. he's literally, it's like the Michael Caine to Chris Nolan. <laughs> it is Tim Burton to Danny Elfman. He's done everything. Um, I feel like he also did the Men in Black movies as well, okay. which you can hear that kind of like creepiness in it, yeah. like, you know. Um, but yeah, he's right up there with Paul Scrutiny. <laughs> <laughs> he's the Paul Scrutiny to Paul Scrutiny. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I think that when that score hits, though, yeah, you know, you're like, oh. Okay, we're doing yeah. something here. And again, I, I I felt that in the last Bat movie, Batman movie, like what's the score going to be like? Will it touch this one? I oddly, uh, were well, the scores the same in Batman Forever, Batman and Robin? I I can't remember them being no. as powerful and hitting these notes like they did in Batman and Batman Returns. Like the 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 tense, the triumphant, the scary. Yeah, it, the score had everything to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do, I, and I feel like it's. Um, I feel like we really didn't get it coming back into this Danny Elfman territory until the Chris Nolan movies. I yeah. feel like the Chris Nolan with Hans Zimmer, like uh, Paul Scrutney on steroids, you know, <laughs> like he uh, I mean, that he brought Batman music right back up to the forefront, I feel like. Yeah. Um, so I do. I feel like in a close second to this music score is is very much the the Dark Knight trilogy. But um yeah, like I, I I had looked up as well to try to figure out how how Tim Burton got into this, but also you're right, how how did Michael Keaton get into this? And it's just it is interesting how this all came together and has become to me kind of the birth of the DC universe. Like I feel like is this movie if this would have bombed, 
we would have not you wouldn't have gotten then Kilmer Clooney like all like I think they probably I mean as much as DC just like quickly backs away from things successful or not I feel like it right. would have, the era of the superhero would have never have given birth I feel like after this um so yeah it's quite an interesting intersection of happenstance of all these different things but I am I am I was curious cuz we David and I shared on our Instagram um, if you go to our new website, like we have, um, a voicemail capability that it just, it's always this blue button on the right. You can send us a voicemail and we ask people to send us their memories of watching the 1989 Batman movie. Um, and we actually had a new fan, uh, for the first time ever, he, he submitted a voicemail. Uh, so we're going to listen to his individual childhood memory. So here we I go. I hope his name is Paul Scrutiny. <laughs> It's close. <laughs> hey guys, this is Postman Polly in Kansas. And the thing about Batman, uh, see, I'm 43, so I'm old enough to remember when they would show the old Adam West Batmans on TV as reruns. And, and I loved that. But then when this Batman came out, and it was like dark and dramatic and just cool like i was all about it and then on top of that like i knew michael keaton because of the show uh, because of the movie mr mom you guys did you guys see mr mom uh, mm -hmm. what a great movie uh, you guys gotta do an episode on that mr mom though i'm like dude that's the mr mom guy being batman how sweet <laughs> thanks guys you guys are always entertaining you make me laugh and uh i love listening to you guys while i deliver mail out on the gravel roads of kansas bye there is something about like, <laughs> I, I, first of all, Postman Polly, what a great nickname. <laughs> yes. I feel like Postman Polly needs to call us in on a regular basis and tell us how the gravel roads of Kansas are doing. <laughs> still gravelly, still dusty, still Kansas. <laughs> but he's right. Like I, um, I only knew of Michael Keaton, um, from actually, I remember watching Mr. Mom, but my big Michael Keaton movie that I watched was in 1986 was called Gung Ho. And it was that he was actually like a union boss for a local like uh, automotive manufacturing company. And I think it was in Michigan. So it's like they were uh, making a comedy, but kind of serious at times movie about Japanese cars taking over the American car industry. And so he's trying to field the issue between the Japanese car company that's buying this Michigan plant and then dealing with these American workers. One of them, I can't remember his name. He, um, he's one of the, uh, oh God, I can't remember his name. He's one of the guys in Cheers. He's the bigger guy with curly hair, not the postal worker like Postman Polly. Yeah, you're so, thinking um, of Norm though. Is Norm, the, I thought Norm was the postman. No, that's uh, Cliff. Oh yeah, you're right. Cliff Clavin. Yeah, so like he was in it too as like the like a union buddy of Michael Keaton, and it's so funny. And he just I was so used to as well. Like Paul said, um, this was a comedy guy. So to see him be Batman was interesting. Uh, I'm kind of surprised to hear Paul mention that like, oh, I loved him in Mr. Mom. So to see him as Batman is like super cool. Um, <laughs> like there's no skepticism, I feel like in his voice at all. He right. was just like, Mr. Mom, Batman, that sounds good to me. That makes uh, sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, Mr. Mom, I think he, he just was like a stay at home dad. Um, so it was just comedy ensued of him trying to take uh, a guy trying to take care of little kids while his wife went to work. Um, okay. That I kind of picture 19... like three men and a baby kind of. Yes. It has tone, It had tones okay. of that. And it was 1983. It was actually six years before this Batman movie. He's wow. as much as you think he looks like a youngster in this film. You watch him in that. He's a baby. I think he's probably in his 20s. Like he's wow. really young in it. Um, 
but yeah, it's such great, such great memories for him to share. Um, and even the fact too, he brought up the, the Adam West stuff and the darker, this transition, like we had talked about the darker tones. I mean, this isn't remotely, you know, there's no shred of similarity between this and the Adam West series. When he talked about dark, dramatic, and cool, I was like, yes, those are all three words that really, really, because this movie was cool, but yeah, super dark. And I, we'll, we'll talk about Batman Returns, which even takes it up to uh, level 10 when it comes to being dark. Um, but yeah, had some some dramatic moments. Uh, Postman Polly, like, thank you so much for those, uh, for the for the voicemail, um, your your thoughts on the movie, and also your your kind words, man. I'm not... Uh, you know, I don't know if you listen to us long, but Eric is the one that cries before the episode, during the episode, and after the episode. <laughs> and I, I, uh, I, you almost, you almost had me there. Um, I think it was all the gravel road dust that that got in my eyes. I think. But, I don't yeah. know. I don't know about you, David, but I kind of picture. I've never been to Kansas, but when I listen to Polly's voicemail, I picture him walking down a dusty driveway of. Um, uh, in the movie Interstellar, <laughs> like that's how <laughs> yeah. I picture Kansas. It's just this guy, you know, postman Polly on a dusty road in between cornfields, delivering to Matthew McConaughey's house. <laughs> you know, I could be wrong, um, but it's no, a yeah, blended, uh, world. I'm postman Polly. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. And then they just go off on their way. See you tomorrow. <laughs> well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, too, postman Polly. If you don't have your own podcast, you got a good, bo- you got a good voice, man. I he feel does. like you should start your own podcast about the postal service. Or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uh, weird it, things that you deliver in the mail to people. Oh, I would <laughs> listen would to that for sure. And maybe uh, the top 10 craziest mailboxes, all that. I'm, there's episodes uh, for sure. But thank you, Paul, Postman Polly. That was uh, really, really nice and a lot of great points. That kind of actually think, makes me think, you know, uh, some of the stuff I had, um, what you were talking about. One of the things that stood out to me when it comes to merchandise and anyone who watched this movie or had toys about it, we're talking pre, you know, when we talked about the Batman, we talked about the cartoon, how there was, I joked, you know, plumber Batman. There was Batman toy for everything. But when this movie came out and the Keaton Batman toy came out, the cloth cape, I remember mm. specifically, and the it was black remo- Removable too. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, I've lost that sucker like so <laughs> many times. I mean, just wild what we kind of grew up with accessory wise. But I remember having that toy. I remember having um, other add on toys for this movie. I remember having the bed sheets. I feel um, just like you said, that logo was universal. It was and it was yes. everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it felt I had the mask. I had the utility belt too. You know, I remember the picture on the box was a kid wearing all black, a long sleeve mm-hmm. and black pants. So we had mm-hmm. to have that. And yeah. then like a chest plate for, for Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't almost like a full costume. It was almost like put together kind of stuff. Yes. Um, yeah. And it was like, you felt like Batman and it, yes. it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, can we agree? I think we did. Did you agree with me that this is the best music score of a Batman? With with Paul Scrutiny, with Paul Scrutiny, um, Paul Scrutiny came back and did the Batman music as well. I think, and I love I love the the newest. I think my favorite is the newest movies music. Okay. But I was this, thinking I had one tally on there at least. Would you no, say that this is the best? Would you say this is the best logo? 
that's a okay i've been mulling that over and the more <laughs> i watch it i do really do dig it and i do like i think of that cereal box yeah um you know it's definitely better than the later movie locos um <laughs> so yeah. it's you're close you're close on that one too okay. maybe <laughs> so i'm starting at the you know, half hour in i'm warming you up to the fact that this you know keaton's a good batman and this is a good batman movie <laughs> until you admit that bill murray's the worst you'll never win anything with me <laughs> oh what was that i love no! bill murray <laughs> no <laughs> well and i um i do i feel like that this is something that I remember when I watched this as a little kid and rewatching this as an adult. And I'll tell you right now, I have always wanted to stealthily from a shadowy corner backfist somebody. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it, like I feel like throughout this movie and this is something I'll give to Keaton as well. Throughout this movie, they kept a little bit of campiness here and there. Yeah. And I like that they trickled that into this. And I think that that was a little bit of an homage to the Adam West Batman. Um, but I also think that that is one of the reasons why Keaton was picked is that he didn't take himself too seriously. Sure. And I know that I, I read an interview with Tim Burton that he said, finding somebody who's muscle bound to be in the Batman suit is easy. He goes, but in reality, he's like, when you're filming the movie, you kind of like, it just seems easy. There's not a, they're kind of one dimensional. If you just have a birth, if you put Arnold Schwarzenegger in there in 1989, is a whole different Batman movie. And you're like, yeah, he's a superhero. Like he's muscular. Like why put him in a suit? He's already jacked. But taking somebody with a weird personality who's a little kooky and seems a little crazy too. And, and the total opposite of Arnold, zero muscle percentage at all. That is true. He I'm was saying like, it. Sorry. I will admit Keaton is not remotely a buff dude. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, never been. I, yeah. I hear you, but mm-hmm. a little bit of muscle. A little bit. I mean, this. All I saw is Billy Crystal. I'm a, I'm comparing them. I was like, is that Billy Crystal? They have a very similar build, actually. I feel like in the '80s, I feel like you could probably confuse Keaton and Billy Crystal. And the hair easily. and yeah, the, the turtlenecks. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. So I'm with you. I agree. Now all I can picture is Billy Crystal <laughs> in that Batman cow going hello. Oh, what, what could have been <laughs> hello? I mean, we do have city slickers. Is I know. Any, isn't this Cur- you know it's a, a multiverse? <laughs> it's a multiverse. Yeah. Curly's like, in this. He also dies in this. He's typecast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His twin comes back in Batman shirts. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. <laughs> well, oh, even man. now that you mention that. I had totally forgotten till the rewatch of this that Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian, is Harvey Dent. Harvey I Dent. completely forgot about that. Yeah. And what's funny is I stumbled across the thing that in his contract he was signed on to be Two Face in oh, really? in a later film. But once it made it to Bat, what Batman Forever is when Tommy Lee Jones yep. became Two Face. The studio actually bought Billy D. Williams out of his contract to hire Tommy Lee Jones. So he was, he was slated since 1989 all the way up to Batman Forever to be Two Face. Like, don't you? That's wild. And don't you think is. there's a lot of that? You heard about Mar- uh, the Wayne's brother being Robin at one right. point. Thank yeah. God. Thank God it went to my man, Chris <laughs> O'Donnell. Thank, thank you. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, there's a, when we do Batman Forever, we'll have to unpack all the stories between Tommy Lee Jones and, and Jim Carrey and all that. Right. But then, of course, we go back to that Nick Cage going to be Superman. Whatever. All these things that fall apart or mm-hmm. that buyout of, 
uh, Lando's contract for this. Like, w- where in the timeline of Lando's career would have this been in for Star Wars? Like, was that a good thing? Was he happy? Well, Batman Forever. I mean, was I wonder if that was a good thing for him that he was like, thank God I'm not in this franchise anymore. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not you sure know? either because what Batman Forever was probably mid 90s, like 94, 95, maybe 96. Yeah. Um, so it could have been because, I mean, that's a decade past. Uh, almost a decade past, yeah, um, him being in the Star Wars stuff. So, I mean, it maybe could have created uh, a little bit of a revival in his career. So it could have been a good thing. But I'll tell you right now, like, seeing uh, Billy Dee Williams as Two-Face would have been very intriguing. (laughs) Yeah. uh, And I think that that's what's interesting about this movie, like how you were saying, is it just makes you wonder how these decision makers and casting people and directors and then even actors turning stuff turning down the roles. Like I, I had found a thing online that also said among the contenders for Keaton's role for the title Batman role were, was Mel Gibson, Kevin Costner, Willem Dafoe. This one's funny. Tom Selleck, you know, he wouldn't have shaved his mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Like Cesar Romero. Then like Batman. (laughs) I didn't, you see the mustache like underneath. It's massive. Be pulled down a little. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, then, uh, Harrison Ford, Charlie Sheen, and here's two very intriguing dark horses that I, similar to Billy D. Williams, seeing him as Two-Face in some sort of alternate universe, Ray Liotta and Pierce Brosnan. Pierce mm. Brosnan would have killed the Bruce Wayne character. I mean, because I, I mean, I feel like... He's 007? <laughs> oh, you mean he would have, actually. <laughs> but I feel like he just embodied this suave, cool dude in James Bond that he... He has that Bruce Wayne appeal to me. He's got a martini down in the Batcave, a bunch of women. I mean, this sounds awesome. Alfred, come back later. <laughs> in the Batwing and the Batmobile, he's got a martini dispenser. The, the Batmobile's an Ashton Martin plated black. I mean, it writes itself. It does. It does. He but doesn't it's... wear a cow because his hair can't be messed up. <laughs> that would be so funny. But it's just like... All of those different things, like I could have seen Mel Gibson pulling off a Batman, um, and he was huge at the time. But at the time, he was filming Lethal Weapon too, so he declined mm. to eat, to do the movie. But there's a lot of other guys in here that declined to do the movie, and Ray Liotta was one of them because he's like, I'm not doing a cheesy Adam West bat. I'm not wearing blue mm-hmm. tights and climbing and having shark repellent like. Everybody had this stereotype and couldn't perceive what Tim Burton was about to do to this Batman universe. Um, so it does make you curious. It's like it, it could have just taken one extra meeting with Tim Burton to show them like um, renderings or sketches of what Gotham would look like or what the suit would look like. Yeah. You never know. It's like Keaton might have not have gotten this film Right. If they would have presented it in this way to other people, because that's a heavy hitting list right there. I would have shown just who he would have been up against. Show me Jack yes. as the Joker. And then yeah. they would have realized, oh, this ain't shark repellent villain. Yeah. This is a legit story. Um, that is a heavy hitting list. And and here's what's interesting. Here's where it's like, okay, David, you, you already said all this. You, you named it a, a great list. And I know I joked about the Billy Crystal comparison, but then I, I hear that list and I go... Well, I now after seeing Keaton, I'd rather have Keaton. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, I'm throwing the pitchfork at myself now, I guess. But like, <laughs> it, it is wild how all that stuff happens. I mean, I'm so glad all those other actors 
either respectfully declined and went on to do other things because it all worked out in, yes. in some weird cosmic way for all from I think all of those actors yeah. you said. I mean, well, and the most interesting dark horse that would have been so interesting to see is that they wrote this specifically to get Nicholson. They wanted Nicholson straight out of the gate, so much so that Nicholson knew how much they wanted him for this role that in his contract, he got back-end money from oh, this wow. movie. So because it went nuts in, in the uh, the box office... You want to get nuts? <laughs> you want to get nuts? Um, maybe that's where it came from. It was improvised in his contract. Um, he, he told that to Tim Burton. He um, tried first. You can't handle the... Wait, I already said that. You want to get nuts? <laughs> <laughs> but he... Um, he, uh, it was said that he got at the time after this movie, it was so successful, $60 million on top of what he was already being paid to star in the role. So that's just the back end was the 60 million. And it, they said adjusting to inflation, that's almost $200 million today. Wow. So it's just like, man, whoever his, his agent was at the time, man, like get that guy, like every client imaginable, talk about one smoking deal. Like that's yeah. crazy. But the dark horse of it was Robin Williams heard about this role and wanted to be the Joker so bad. But Nicholson was just like, he was he was it. They, they didn't even want to look in another direction. But could you comprehend a Robin Williams Joker? I mean, it would have been insane. It really, not to replace Nicholson. Sure. But in some other <laughs> like iteration of this, to hear Robin Williams do a Joker cackle would yeah. have been crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's fantastic in all the dramatic roles he's done where he mm -hmm. is a killer or he's something, he's suffering from something. I mean, he has still has that light in his eyes, but you know it's dimming yeah. uh, very quickly. And so to see him behind the, behind the face paint would be, uh, it, it would be something else. I mean, it's hard. It's such a hard thing because it's almost like asking me after, if I want an, uh, a slice of carrot cake after I've already gotten full on a slice of chocolate cake. Yeah, yeah that carrot important. cake looks great, yeah. but I'm full. Like Jack has made me full, if yes. that makes sense on uh -huh. that roll. That's um, a great analogy, yeah. And now yeah. I want cake. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It's like when you get the Joker that is Jack Nicholson, it's hard to want for anything else. <laughs> like it, right. it really, It really is because like I think as much as, I think that if you would have got a B-rated actor or not as big of an actor to do Joker in this, I don't think this movie would have been the success that it was. I don't think Keaton, mm -hmm. no offense to the hardcore Keaton lovers, I don't think Keaton would have carried this on his own if there wasn't Nicholson on the right. other side of it. Um, they matched each other in every way, I feel like. And that is where I'll actually give you a little bit of a, in my mind, the reasoning why I think Keaton is so good in this role is that he couldn't, he can't match Nicholson's energy or else the movie would have just been so overstimulating and so intense and so crazy. And, and I think that that's, but at the same time, I think Tim Burton did a good job of Keaton kind of has crazy eyes. Mm -hmm. Keaton looks like a hero, but also looks like he's one, one loss away from going to dark Batman where mm. he's, he's busting necks and throwing people off, you know, roofs and things like that. Like, and I think that that to me is what's so intriguing about Keaton is he looks like you want to get nuts. I'll get nuts. And he's one 
thread away from doing that. And I don't think any other Batman has the same level of um, crazy eyes as he does. Um, And I know in this movie, especially even when he's sitting there at his desk as Bruce Wayne and the bat signal first goes off and he stands up and kind of looks and it's such Tim Burton with the lighting and the intensity and the music hitting and stuff. He just has this stare that he doesn't need to be jacked and the size of, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's got the face that is perfect for Bruce Wayne. And then you put it under that cow and paint those eyes black. Mm-hmm. He's He's got the crazy. And a guy who's dressing up as a bat, you know, fighting need crime. Need a little crazy. Need a little crazy. And he, yeah. he fulfilled, to me, that crazy factor. Yeah. There, that These are all really, really good points. And that was kind of what I was looking as I did this rewatch. Like, is he... Batman under the mask and then is he Bruce Wayne when the mask is off and those are always two really good questions I was like who's the best Batman who's the best Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. um, and Keaton is uh, an interesting Bruce Wayne in my opinion because you get to see him at the parties and flirting with Vicky Vale and all that and uh, and it's just like He's got some swagger. He's got some confidence. You know, he takes off her heel when uh, her shoe and at the dinner part or having dinner a lot. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I, I can see him um, uh, as, as Bruce Wayne as well. When I watch him as Batman and I give him some grace here because I, there's some scenes that stood out to me where like he's saving Vicky in one of them and he's like, hold on for dear life. And he sends her up and he just falls. And, and, and it's, it was it, I, a little comical kind of the way it happens. I'm like, what's he doing? But it made me think of though, like, okay, what year is this Batman mm-hmm. and how, how fresh is he? Is he, you know, he's not obviously not a rookie, right. but it reminded me of, in the Batman, which I know I've been referencing a lot, but Pattinson has a kind of a same move where he totally botches something and and pays for it. Yeah. But it, it it I did like when I think back about it and what who we're watching and kind of and and I think what the lens I was viewing it in was maybe from a Marvel lens. I had to remind myself, dude, he's not a superhero. Yeah, that's he's true. a man. Yeah. And he saved Vicky and took the fall and mm-hmm. did what he could on that moment. You know, yeah. uh, and 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 he had a plan and all that, and it didn't have to look like this grand drop down mm-hmm. that we do sometimes get with Batman. I mean, it's one of the best scenes, and it should exist in every Batman movie when Batman comes through like a glass ceiling with the cape yeah. out. Yeah. It, that is iconic, classic for sure. It doesn't have to be all the time though. And I now, as I'm just realizing in life, things aren't perfect. I dug a lot more of this movie Mm -hmm. and I love him as Batman a lot more now Um, getting rid of the Avengers mindset if that makes sense yeah no that makes sense because it is I feel like especially in uh, over the past I mean what like well over a decade now almost 15 years of just we are so used to these um, superheroes that always bounce back that never do uh, anything like and you're right I think we tend to also see superheroes at the peak of their career so they're already these seasoned superheroes because I had thought that too of there's a couple times yeah he bo- he botches things and even I had totally forgotten about the scene of he's flying his bat wing 
at Jack Nicholson yeah. and misses him with every round. Hits all of yeah. his henchmen. He was um, also a stormtrooper, much like <laughs> kindergarten cop mother. <laughs> but it's just like, and then it's like, yeah, Nicholson pulling out that ridiculous revolver <laughs> that's like four feet long. You happy to see me? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a six foot uh, revolver in your pocket? Um, but yeah, and then shoots his bat wing out of the sky with one one round. Like there are <sighs> these different things where yeah. you're just like, oh, that's like, it was kind of surprising. But as as a kid, you know, I do think um, if this movie didn't really have the ability to like how Marvel does, Marvel can look at what's DC doing or what did, mm-hmm. what did we do in the last phase of Marvel and what should we do now? Like there's so much comparing between yeah. these superheroes that at that time there was no, it was just Adam West and this was leaps and bounds better than, than Adam West. Um, so yeah, I just think there was a little bit of growing pains, I feel like, when you rewatch some of these scenes. And it, it just makes me very curious to see if they'll show Keaton in a full intensity in the flash. Like a little darker, a little more truly kicking the crap out of people. Sure. But it's just like he is a seasoned veteran that is used to just putting down criminals. Um, I'm very <laughs> excited to see that because like in this movie, it's like all of the fights are kind of, you know, there's a little cheesiness in them. Yeah. There's a little funniness. Um, so it'll be, I just, with being used to Batfleck and and um, Christian Bale and things like that and Robert Pattinson, I want to see a darker Keaton Batman. Yeah. I want to see him be a little nuts. I, <laughs> I really do. I do too. And I want to see the guy who unfortunately, while saving everyone, keeps losing everyone at the same mm-hmm. time, because mm-hmm. that's what we've grown with Batman. We know the parent story. We know all that. But we know he loses uh, uh, Robin down the road. Like he still gets there's still a lot of loss in his life, even though he's trying to save people. I want that continued dark Batman, and I hope we get it from Keaton because we got a little bit of it from Bale, uh, from Affleck. Um, you know, just kind of like going into one final mission to take Superman down, right? Like uh, it could end here, and that's fine. Like I, I, I am anxious to see what this Keaton Batman is is going to look like. Um, I'm also anxious for uh, the suits, and I think we we talked about that in a, in our battle for the Batman. Like, I st- this suit has definitely grown on me. Um, I've seen some of the suits that in the trailer for this Flash movie, so it sounds like we're gonna get more of those. But I mean, the iconic, the OG, this suit. Again, the number one problem, you talked about him sitting at the desk and standing up and looking at the light. All those thoughts you said were great. I'm also probably thinking he's like, God, thank God I can move my neck right now. Because <laughs> when he puts on that suit, there's a point where he has to like do a limbo to look up through the stairwell at the end of the movie. Yeah. His whole yeah. body bends backwards. I'm like, you know, but I think this is a... It'll a suit that stands the test of time. Is this your favorite Batman suit out of every Batman suit we've seen on the movie screen? No, okay. I I feel like uh, I would have to almost have a split decision between Bale's Batman suit in Dark Knight because mm-hmm. it was so sleek, so tactical, the armored look, and it was lightweight too yeah. while being really intense. Yeah. That combined with the I mean, neck and neck. I mean, you depending on what day you talk to me, I might switch. Neck and but neck, like, no neck. neck. <laughs> <laughs> is is Batfleck. Yeah. Batfleck suit. BBS suit. Yeah. yeah. So the woven gray look. And the big and all, symbol. Yeah, yeah, the big symbol. And he was so 
burly and just intense. I mean, like power lifter Batman was yeah. super cool. And his cow with the shorter ears was also really sinister too. But I do, I do feel like Keaton's Batman suit will always have the nostalgic vote for me just sure. because of it's so distinctive. Um, but when it comes to true style factor, it is, it's Bale and Batfleck for sure. Yeah. I- it's interesting you said that because it, it, it I do love the v, BVS suit as well. It's my favorite. You, you, this is, speaks to your point. You could throw in a beefier guy, but if they can't be the guy, like Arnold wouldn't be Batman. Mm-hmm. He's Mr. Freeze. Um, <laughs> but Bat, Ben, to me, pulled off both Batman and, and Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. So you know muscles and all that they went a different way they mm-hmm. were still able to accomplish it i agree with you keaton i wish wish a little bit of muscle a protein bar here or there something <laughs> um a shake weight i don't know something in the bat cave yeah. there has to be a dumbbell what, like 19 1989 maybe a thigh master you know what were the what were the at-home gyms back then <laughs> alfred had more muscle i think alfred been drinking the insure uh he's doing he's doing great we're seeing keaton in the background of computer and alfred's doing sit-ups push-ups jumping jacks i mean you know <laughs> where does alfred actually rank for you on this one is this uh the uh, uh, that the this version of alfred pennyworth i feel like is always the nostalgic vote because he's the same yeah. guy through all right. of our childhood uh batmans but man michael kane <laughs> you know michael kane michael kane uh, michael kane um he also i mean i think he would have to be my top i mean jeremy irons well, if, yeah. if we got to see him more right. and if the Snyderverse would have truly have come to its fullest fruition. And I think if we would have saw the bat, the Ben Affleck directed Batman, the standalone yeah. film, I think Jen, Jeremy Irons, we would have really saw who he was. But Michael Caine, I think, is my top pick for sure. Do you think we'll ever get a multiverse of Alfreds? <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> well, if you think about it, of all movies uh, that they could do a little thing, it's, it's this one. You're still taking care of this little sh- as well, eh? Oh, that might—that was me, Michael Caine, I guess. I don't know who that was. <laughs> I feel like it was more Jeremy Irons. There was oh, some Jer- yeah, you're doing a good Jeremy Irons there. Um, uh, but it's yeah, I of of all the movies that you could have a little multiverse within the multiverse, I'd be curious if you'll see an Alfred in in the Flash. That'd be pretty uh, fun. I, I hope so. Now, well, I guess you wouldn't see. I guess it, you maybe see Jeremy Irons because if you think about it, the original Alfred Pennyworth would have to be like 120 years old in the yeah. Slash movie because he was probably 70 in 1989. Still yeah. folding uh, little bat underwear and uh, folded in bed and all that. Still take care of Batman. Full oxygen mask. <laughs> like it He's be, wearing Bane's uh, apparatus, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. It's just like, yeah, it would feel kind of like an indentured servant to Batman. It would be less... <laughs> It would be less appealing, I feel like, when he's 100 would, years old. If I were to have Keaton in then I'd, I'd told you what I'd ask Keaton. How does it feel? If I had the original Alfred uh, from the movie Super Puppets, I would have to ask him, how does it feel to go from Batman to, I'm so sorry, but Batman and Robin. Like, you know, I'm sorry. I would just even ask him. i just apologize. I, I love those movies for what they are, but mm-hmm. the man went through a lot between the first Tim Burton movies and those last two movies he was yes. in. Yeah. Um, so I, I wonder how that whole 
how sh- that shift went for him. But, you know, I love the Michael Caine's Alfred. I love Jeremy Irons, too. I, I don't think we got enough of the other Alfred um, that was also, oh, boy, he's uh, in Spider-Man. You know, he's the uh, the news anchor, uh, the newspaper uh, writer. You know, um, unfortunately, it seems like in the movies, Alfred gets probably – a lot on the chopping block yes. in the editing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I wonder if we'd ever see a female Alfred maybe mm. down the road. I wonder, I would be, have been curious if they would have had that in bad girl. Like I wouldn't be surprised oh, if that's something yeah. that's just, we'll never see, but actually was filmed. Um, Cause that would have been the perfect um, franchise to do that in yeah. um, would be to see a female Alfred. But yeah, it, um, because I, I saw another thing, too, that they originally were thinking of having Robin in this movie and casting a Robin character, but they thought that Nicholson could carry so much of the, the storyline that um, him and Batman were good enough to face off each other. Um, they chose wisely. <laughs> yes, they did. Um, and uh, But I, I saw something that said that they actually did cast a, what's, um, I can't remember, what is uh, Robin's Bruce Wayne name? I can't remember what it is. Oh, Dick Grayson? Yeah. That yeah. they actually did cast a Dick Grayson for this, and he had a couple scenes, but okay. he hit the chopping room floor and it never saw the light of yeah. day. So I don't even know who they cast for that to tease it for a future movie. But um, I think Keaton had the ability in both these movies to carry his own thing that I'm glad they didn't do a Robin in these yeah. two. Yeah, I'm too. And I'm glad they let Jack and Keaton do their thing. Cause you know, when they finally do get screen time together and throughout the movie, it's, 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 it's golden, but it's mm-hmm. golden when they're separate too. What I, what I really loved, loved about this movie is it's Jack's, it's it's his it's the origin story of the Joker, which mm-hmm. I think I kind of forgot about and get lost in the other parts of the movie. And we get so many origin stories. We 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 get the Jokers in this, and yeah. I thought that was really cool. Um, how he evolves into you know being betrayed. You know, he's like to Curly, you did this over a woman. You know, and like. Then we get some really dark scenes that young David probably wasn't ready for. You know, the way he's, you know, I, I just think of Home Alone in the Christmas, the Devil's Angels or whatever those movies were that, that Kevin would watch, right? The, yeah. the way Joker would shoot him and behind the back and stuff like that. It was like, yeah. oh, my God, I forgot how dark this was. Like, definitely was not watching this uh, when Harper was around and will not for I don't even know what age appropriate. You know, it'd be a while. Yeah. Um, but I even me, I was like, wow, I forgot that this is we talked about Endgame. We talk about the, the 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 Thanos snap and some some what would be deemed dark moments in the Marvel movies. Doesn't they do not hold a candle to the dark movies in these in the Batman movies? Yes, uh, you know this and Returns. Yes, for sure. Especially I feel like especially Returns. It's like as much as the creepiness of um, Nicholson was, I feel like Devito as Penguin was like so. Like, and that is something like I do remember as a kid, Jack Nicholson as the Joker terrified me. Like, I feel like especially in his introduction, when they're on the surgeon is unwrapping his face (sighs) and, and his laugh and all that. And then when he finally puts the makeup on and he's like, wait till they get a load of me. Like he's, it's so sinister and creepy. And I agree with you. I had forgotten how many times poor, poor. Poor Curly gets shot <laughs> in that boardroom chair. Like it's just and not as how... many times as the uh, RoboCop before he puts on the <laughs> That's Robo. True. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't as brutal as RoboCop for sure. But um, but I did like I I had forgotten how much Nicholson was 
um, so sinister and so nonsense and really was the first iteration of Joker where he just wanted to watch the world burn. Yeah. Like he was, he gave the, the as much as Heath Ledger and that Michael Caine line, like it also makes sense for what Nicholson put into uh, into this movie like it's and it's impressive too because he could have easily phoned this in if he wanted to nicholson oh, yeah. was already at the top of the pile of a-list celebrities in 1989 he was way bigger than keaton he was way bigger than all anybody else in this movie billy d williams everybody um even kim basinger i feel like he was clearly the top of the call sheet in this movie and for him to have that exclusive deal and mix the back end money that nobody else was making, but also in his contract, he like supposedly didn't have to come in until 10 a.m. every day because he was notorious for going to nightclubs and just enjoying <laughs> the A-list lifestyle back in the day. And he would come in hungover and they would put on, uh, I think, uh, like a Knicks game. He's a big, I think, a big Knicks or maybe a Lakers guy. I can't remember. I think he's been both. At he's times. a Lakers. Yeah. I think now he's Lakers, but maybe at the yeah. time he was Knicks. I can't remember. But um, they would they would have uh, like associate producers make sure they filmed the the game on VHS, and he would sit there in that makeup chair and fall asleep from his hangover for three hours while they put his face paint on <laughs> and all his prosthetics. It's easy um, to work on, I guess. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I mean, you would think with that mindset, he would have just phoned it in. But yeah. man, oh man, there's not a second he phones this in. Like, no, at all. No. Like, I have it in my notes here. Yeah, he was a big sports guy. Knicks, Lakers. He loved the Rockies. Just kidding. <laughs> um, he, he was, you know insane like in this movie and you made a good point that I had in my notes about the face paint and that scene where he breaks the mirror and sees himself for the first time and the cackle and the and and I even see, I've seen this movie so many times and I have to always tell myself he does not kill that doctor dude he does not because I always think he he, he is going to he's unhinged he's yeah. who knows what he's smiling and happy the next minute or one minute and then he you know as he electrocute fries that dude to oblivion and then yeah. that one scene with the the handshake like and then talks to the dead body after the fact <laughs> like the very smoking cool skeleton. and calm yeah. and charismatic mm-hmm. it's like you you just fried that guy but like he's uh, he's 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 lost in his mind um but he made it seem so believable mm-hmm. and like you said he didn't phone it in uh, he but he also elevated it to things i just never like the music scene mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's it's still such a standout in late 80s and 90s like mm-hmm. I love that scene. Um, yeah, you know, but oh, where I was going with the face paint was I forgot that when he would repaint his face to look normal, like flesh colored skin. Yeah. And then when it would start to smear away, mm-hmm. just the nightmare fuel. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I read a thing online that um, Tim Burton had to work with the visual, the makeup artists for this, that they needed to actually put that white face paint on and it was like this really heavy acrylic paint that would stay on his skin and was next to impossible to wipe off unless you were using like alcohol and like all of this other stuff so that they could do those scenes realistically that it seemed like his real complexion was this pale milky white skin and that he had to paint on tan normal flesh tones so i mean they 
for them to even in 1989 figure out the type of paint, I can't imagine how many layers of skin Jack Nicholson probably lost back oh. in the 80s from having to peel that off every single day. But, but All you're I right. can think is Doc Brown and Back to Beach 2. <laughs> New skin! That's <laughs> <laughs> true. But it's just like, I, you're right, I had forgotten about that too, that it's like, oh no, that's his permanent skin. He has to paint on a normal complexion. Yeah, yeah. That, is, that is nightmare fuel for sure. I, I think of Jack sitting in the chair, you know, hey, Hey Jack, how was your night at the clubs? You know, and then Jack every time just always says, "Well, you ever dance with the devil?" No. <laughs> like, like Jack, yeah, we've heard it. He's gonna ask every yeah. day, you know. Um, but I'm glad he got the much deserved star treatment. I mean, this whole movie has, uh, you know, I watched it again, like thinking of Vicky Vale. Um, uh, her, uh, what did you say her name was again? Her real name? Kim, Kim Basinger. Kim Basinger. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, Kim. Um, you know, I, I Curly. I mean, not a false note anywhere in this movie. It really does does come together. Uh, it made me think, though, of a couple of things, like as we're, we're going through the movie and, you know, you get the, the wham, pow, some of the funny scenes, you get a lot of the dark scenes, you get, of course, Batman, Bruce paying respects to his, his family and, and all that, a very different take. Because in all the other movies, we kind of see them getting shot again and the pearl necklace and all that. And we see it here, but it's a little bit later. I love how the movie opens, though, with like a fake out. I think that's really fun. Totally, yeah. Because um, yeah. it, it fakes me out every time because I was like, God, why is his dad such a jerk? Oh, yeah, that's not his dad. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny. It faked out my wife, too, because she had not seen this movie I feel like and um because I, I just feel like they she wasn't really big into superheroes when she was a kid um and she when we were watching the scene she goes he died from that and I'm like oh no no this isn't <laughs> like she thought it was like the Thomas Wayne and I'm like no that was just the regular family getting mugged yeah. <laughs> like, but yes he also died <laughs> someone else and a hero was born that day too <laughs> um so you know you mentioned something about how he's flying uh the Batwing and he misses mm -hmm. uh, you know is that just the relationship? Because we see that in the Dark Knight. We know it's a ploy to get Heath Ledger. We understand all that. But like we've seen throughout all of their history, we could do a whole podcast. Probably, I'm sure they exist actually, just on Batman and Joker and their relationship, oh, sure. right? Yeah. With all the iterations of them. Of them. I mean, he misses him in the in in the Dark Knight, and he misses him in this, and it, it just made me think of a couple of questions. The is this the hero's downfall? Mm. Not being, especially in Batman's case, well, and kind of in Superman's case, I guess, not, that is the rule we do not kill. Mm. Is this a downfall for Batman, especially when it comes to a, a maniac like yeah. Joker? What it's do you true. think on that? Well, along those same lines, I do think that, I think Batman in this movie had the ability to save Jack Nicholson's character before he fell into the vat and became the Joker. Like yeah. he didn't seem like he tried very hard saving him. So he right. created the, and I feel like Nicholson has a line of dialogue where he said, you created me like yeah. towards the end of the movie. Um, and I do, I was, I'm always a, like when I did the rewatch of this, I was a little, I didn't understand what Tim Burton was trying to do because three seconds prior, he mows down all of his henchmen with the missiles and the bullets like of the Batwing, but right. then misses the Joker. So he yeah. killed 10 other people like two, like, you know, right before it. Those but were then, rubber bullets. <laughs> but then he kills the, but then he doesn't kill 
the Joker. And I was always a little like, I'm not quite sure why they did it that way. Um, but I do know, like I immediately, I because I had forgotten about this scene and it made me curious if Chris Nolan did that same chicken face-off in the alleyway with the bat pod, yeah. the motorcycle, and and Heath Ledger as an homage to right. this movie. Because it felt, in the you're right, in the exact same vein. It yeah. clearly, I feel like, was a callback to it. Um, but yeah, I would have I, I would have liked this movie to be more of addressing that Batman doesn't kill um, the bad guys. Um, because I guess there's, that's really the only part where you see people get shot and who knows, maybe it could have been rubber bullets. <laughs> you know, I didn't see blood. Maybe it, you know, it was, it was non-lethal rounds. Maybe it was paintballs yeah. or something like that. Um, but I do, I, I think that they, I think that that's always kind of a through line in Batman movies of this balance between, do you let the maniac stay in Gotham and keep doing what he's doing? And do you let him escape from Arkham Asylum and all this stuff over and over and over again? Or do yeah. you just take matters into your own hands? And I do think that, that it, yeah, it's a very flawed hero. And I think that that's why I'm a fan of Batfleck, is that he seemed like he was getting fed up of it. I'm going to start branding people. I'm going to start <laughs> taking matters into my own hands. And I do. I don't know. There's something about when a hero becomes a villain. That storyline is very intriguing to me. I have a little bit of a sinister side, I guess, but it's okay. intriguing. Don't worry, my cocky community. We'll bring him back. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree with you, and I I do love the branding. I love all of that. I'm a big Dexter guy. Like you know, I always think, ah, take him out, you know. Um, but uh, I then I had this. It just dawned on me, like I want the Joker to whisper into his ear and be like. You know, you need me as much yeah. as uh, I need you, kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, because, like you said, to dress up like a bat and uh, to not be the billionaire and not, you know, to, 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 to in your mind be like, I have to be more. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to be a little, you got to get nuts. Yeah. And he has to have the other people who go, you know, the villains to be around. Yes. Otherwise, Gotham won't need him. Mm-hmm. And he, I think Batman has a, a need to be needed and wanted yes. um, because he didn't have parents to need or want him. Man alive, we're getting deep. We're getting yep. dark Seriously. again. Here we go. Sorry, uh, Postman Polly. We didn't anticipate it to go this way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, and then I had another thought. Well, real quick, going. this may be a question for later, but the movie, one of the things I love that the movie did that young David did not care at all. I love it now, though, especially in kind of the Instagram society clicks and likes that we get all that. I love that the beauty product thing was a thing in this movie of how he targeted people. And I love seeing the anchors look horrible. The I zits. thought that's really smart. Yeah, yes, really the, smart. the zits, the hair. That was really clever. I mean, I remember the first time I got HD TV. Oh, yeah. And I saw the sports announcers and I was like, whoa, uh, I didn't know that. You know, it just was so funny yes. um, and clever uh, how they did that. And just, again, this movie had a really smart, really at times campy when it needed to be. Yes. Um, action, dark, gritty, lived in. Uh, it really had a lot going. But I think that Joker's plan. Um, was fantastic the yes. way he targeted Gotham and the way he made them all. What a game to him to live in fear of the stuff that we use every day to be pretty and vain and all that. Right? Like, yeah, I thought that was fantastic. Yes, I think so too. And I think it was kind of, um, I think it was very much something that at that time in American culture was 
kind of actually happening in real life in a way of like people being too wrapped up in their image and too vain and to all of these other types of things. So it was, yeah, it was a great storyline for Tim Burton to put in there. Um, and it is like, I, I do, I feel like that they had a lot of that in this movie that just was very, so in tune with the pop culture of like the late eighties. Cause even it's like, I had forgot, I didn't notice this as a kid, but as an adult, there's several songs in this movie that are from Prince. They're written by yeah, Prince right. and uh, were featured in this movie. Cause I mean, he was huge in 1989. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's really like, I, I think that Tim Burton was very in tune to those types of things. And I think that's why it connected with audiences so yeah. much. Is it, I think it made people feel like, oh, well, it doesn't take that much that you could push New York City into Gotham territory or yeah. you could push Chicago into that territory. I mean, actually, if you think about it, in like 1989, New York was not a great city. Like it was mm. the 80s in New York was kind of <laughs> kind of Gotham without, yeah. without Batman around. Um, so it's, it is, um, I, I think it, it makes sense why this connected so much, um, so much with people. But I... I do know for me, especially in all the different categories of us comparing Jokers and Batman and um, the music score, all that type of stuff, I can definitively say that this is by far, without a doubt, at the age of, you know, four, five, six when I watched this movie. So yeah, like early 90s to now being a 38-year-old, this is forever will be the best Batmobile ever, mm. period. Um, when especially when that Batmobile is tearing down the, the driveway with Vicki Vale to Wayne Manor and the music with Paul Scrutiny, you know, crescendos and all that type of stuff. And it just comes tearing right at you at the screen. It is such, I mean, the car is like 30 feet long and yeah. is so huge. It, you've never seen anything like it. And for them to make that a real vehicle for this movie, just goes to show like the $5 million they put in to make the set design of Gotham, the face paint and makeup that they did and figured out to make Nicholson look the way he did. To put that time and effort into the Batmobile is so worth it. And I, that's the only way I see the Batmobile is, yeah. is Keaton's Batmobile. And it, interestingly enough, the set designers, when they made um, a version of that. They made a model out of styrofoam. They literally just sculpted it out of a giant 30 foot block of like styrofoam. And once Tim Burton saw the concept of it, he's like, this is amazing, but where are the doors? <laughs> they didn't actually put <laughs> doors anywhere. So they had to adopt at the time, the most popular like um, um, jet was a Harrier jet. And the Harrier jet doesn't open like a normal cockpit. It slides forward. And so they built... Like they, they cut that thing apart and they built a Harrier jet styled sort of cockpit. And that now is forever every iteration of the Batmobile. Yeah. It, it has a cockpit like a jet, um, but it all came out of them designing this huge thing. And for Tim Burton to be like, yeah, that's great. But where are my doors? <laughs> like, how does he get in it? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. That is a cosmic blessing in disguise mistake. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I couldn't imagine him getting in or out of the Batmobile any other way. Now, could you imagine seeing him open the door? on the Batmobile? Like a normal person? Like, like us? No like way. A <laughs> <laughs> it would be so weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you got to tally there. That Batmobile is, oh my gosh, it's absolutely beautiful. It's, mm -hmm. ma it's majestic a word for this. I mean, totally. It's yeah. insanely gorgeous and sleek and cool. 
tough when it needs to be. And it, when it's zooming around like it does, it does make other things stand still. Mm-hmm. That's how it, it captures you. Yeah, so uh, they actually, McFarlane Toys just released uh, a, a version of it um, from this movie in honor of the Flash movie. It oh, sold cool. out in like... Oh, I believe it minutes you know because and it's a it, i don't remember how long it is but it's 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 a really long collectible it, mm-hmm. it looked amazing yeah that ha, you know uh, yes no i i i had um was it mcdonald's I, I i had the mcdonald's version of that car right mm-hmm. um that was a spin spin car i had the toy of it i mean yeah, it's literally yes. it's on my desk right now yeah <laughs> Yep. There it is. What we are not seeing is the bat, Batman cereal, and he's wearing his Batman PJs. Um, but I'll still, I'll, I'll, when I visit, I'll show everyone. Um, you know. So my other question for you is: This is the hero's dilemma. Mm. We see this in other movies too. Where I'm going with this is this. In this case, it's Batman, Bruce Wayne. And the love interest. Mm. Vicky Vale in this one is very much like, I'll wait for you. I now understand and I get your pain. I'll wait for you. There's always, though, a part of Batman. Bruce Wayne wants to. Batman, though, is like... He doesn't need anybody. I can't. You're, I'm putting yeah. you in harm's way. Yeah. That is the hero's dilemma to me. Love interest is always in danger. I think of Mission Impossible. I think of, like, I thought of Dom for a while because in one of the <laughs> movies he leaves Letty. Mm-hmm. I think that was might have been the sixth one. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's Superman with Lois Lane. I know yeah. there's always a fear there because Lois is like, you are sacrificing others to protect me because they know... They can get to you by getting to me. You know what I mean? Right. Is this the hero's dilemma, though? Like, this is what he signed up for, and it has right. to be this way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, like, it is, um, it is an interesting balance, because I think that even in recent years, a good depiction of that was Aunt May to Peter Parker. Like, um, yeah. it, it was <laughs> not a love interest to be clear. <laughs> no, but like his main, like I, you know, it's similar. Like, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, it You've wasn't your typical. you that you're a uh, killer earlier. And now, love <laughs> now I'm into ants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. We might not help. be able to walk that one back. <laughs> the magic of editing. <laughs> it's true. It doesn't help that, you know, uh, it's played by Marissa Tomei and not an 80 year old woman, like in the Tobey Maguire movies. Um, hey, do not knock her. <laughs> Okay, you're gonna be 89 a, very soon. She was a sweet old lady. She's a sweet um, old lady. <laughs> no, but you're you're right. It is this. Um, I think it is something that always is a dilemma, but ha- is a necessity. I think, especially with Batman, being that he doesn't have anybody, but I mean, family wise, is the closest he has is Alfred. That yeah. like, even though he's fighting for the people of Gotham. We truly need to see characters like this fight for someone close to them, someone who's intimate, somebody who they love. Um, so I do think that that is a balance that they always need to have to make them a little bit more of a grounded human in a way. Um, I do feel like in this movie, Kim Basinger was a little too damsel in distress. Mm. Um, she didn't have the the kind of the cool factor of, I think, how modern day characters can have like how like i like nicole kidman oh yeah uh, in batman forever yeah yeah for sure um and i feel like even with modern ones that like to instead of aunt may we'll do zendaya <laughs> that she you know that that's the actual love interest but i feel like the, the, like it's um i like more modern ones that um 
I guess even in Chris Nolan's movies, you had um, Jake Gyllenhaal's sister, Maggie, who played the love interest of, yeah. well, I think it was uh, Kate uh, from Dawson's Ka- Creek. Kate first. Hudson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, um, I feel like I... Oh my gosh, did I say Kate Hudson? That's not right. Oh, you did oh. say Kate Hudson. I can't remember. What is uh, Kate? She was well, Tom Cruise's wife for a brief period. Yes. Jumped on the couch over her. Oh, uh, I just saw her as Josephine Potter. Um, yeah, I was about to say, to you'll, know the, you'll know the Dawson's Creek name. <laughs> yeah, I live in a fantasy world of characters. Not real people. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like I, I, I think that that was a great depiction in a Batman movie of that dilemma of needing to are you going to rescue a leader of gotham and harvey dent or are you going to rescue your love like yeah. um so yeah i i think that that is a dilemma that will always be there um and some do it better than others for sure yeah yeah okay when so i got it wrong but now i'm going to put you on the spot now her last name katie here mm-hmm. is of the same last name of someone who is also could be a superhero in his own world but he's actually is a superhero in another universe a different uh universe um very close to you actually but his he solves a lot of clues uh oh katie holmes there we go there you go <laughs> i was like if you're gonna say katie scrutiny you're a liar <laughs> Oh man, I wish. I wish. I don't know how we didn't think of this typical old man brain that we can't think of her. her, At some point, we're just going to be going, him was in that movie in that year. Who? (laughs) Huh? Yeah. That guy. Uh, You know what I'm talking about. It's been an hour and 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be, as we, folks, if anyone's still listening, as we do get older, the podcast will get shorter because we won't remember (laughs) what we're talking about. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that one went well. <laughs> yeah, the amount of times we have to Google within an episode will hopefully oh, <laughs> it will, only, will only increase from this point on. Um, but yeah, like um, it is funny because I think I, I I do I feel like with as much as you've talked about like Keaton and his um, how much he wasn't you had to warm up to him a bit mm-hmm. over the years for this movie. And this just goes to show it doesn't matter what generation of superhero fans you have we are all the same there. It doesn't matter if it's from 1989 or 2023. I read something online that Michael Keaton, when he was cast as Bruce Wayne, it caused so much controversy with comic book fans that (laughs) that all of the production of DC and Tim Burton received over 50,000 protest letters. Cause it's like, there's no email. There's like people had to hand write or type (laughs) all of these protest letters in 1989 and pay for postage and mail it instead of just tweeting it out for free. They, you had, I mean, imagine being so angry as a comic book nerd that you're actually angrily putting your blank sheet of paper (laughs) into your typewriter and sliding that sucker back and forth, licking the envelope, going to your post office. And that whole time staying upset enough that you're still going to mail that to Tim Burton. (laughs) Like that's just insane. Yeah. That's dedication. But do you think then 50,000 people were sitting there like, Oh, I I was wrong. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? For sure. Especially with the success of this, I guarantee you all the vast majority of those people, um, ate humble pie the second yeah. they saw this movie zero letters for batman returns like no. people were sold you know he he, yeah. he is you know uh, that's wild to me and again i totally understand it you know I, i've i've had it for other roles um one thing i was thinking about as i uh we talked about with other roles though you know you had talked about robin williams i've always had well jim carrey as the riddler 
great. Mm-hmm. I always wondered what he'd be like as a Joker. But then my my number one, my ultimate, I always wondered how Johnny Depp would do as mm. uh, the Joker or the Riddler. Even a Two-Face. A I feel two-face. like he might be able to do them all. Yeah. A version of Penguin. You know, yeah. like... Maybe even Batman. <laughs> like, to be honest. he like yeah. I feel like he could balance yeah. that craziness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he can't. He, he walks. You know, he walks all crazy and stuff. You know, he'd be swaying like Captain Jack Sparrow. No, no, no. Put your arms down. He'd be twirling it around and drinking. Where's the rum in Where's the bat the cave? You know. But I always. Who who do you who do you have as a, a guy could to to be a villain? Uh, you know, could be now, could be back in the past. But is there someone you would have dreamcasted for a villain? Oh man, let me see. Well, I know I was even with you mentioning all those different things and even before where you mentioned um, Mark Hamill doing the voiceover work of the animated Joker. Yeah. Man, I feel like he could pull off a sinister live action Joker pretty darn well. Yeah. Um, Like it would make me, I don't know, it would make me very curious to see him do live action. As much as if you can channel your voice in that way through an animated character and be sinister, of course you can do it with a camera pointed really at you and not in just a sound booth. But I'm trying to think, I mean, I was very intrigued when I read about Robin Williams wanting to do this role. Sure. I would have loved to have seen that because we didn't see him become a villain until much later on in his career in kind of like B rated movies. Um, yeah. And I think, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like we kind of saw like you said, with Jim Carrey and uh, to see Tommy Lee Jones did what he did. Like we saw a lot of really good A-list celebrities pivot into their first villainous roles in this yeah. Batman franchise. Like, right. um, so yeah, I'm not it's a, it's tough, you know, and I think tough. Johnny Depp is really the only one that screams to my head too. Like I was thinking, would DiCaprio be like a villain? Would, mm. um, we've seen Timothy Oliphant be a villain in other movies. Timothy Chalamet seems to be the next, uh, Willy Wonka. So maybe he'll be a villain or the next Captain Jack, whatever he decides right. to follow in Depp's uh, shoes. But like, I don't know. They're there. I, I was happy with, I think it's Paul Dano, who's the Riddler in the mm. Batman. I thought he was cooking up and they, they did have a Joker in that movie, um, but it was never, it was a, un, uh, it was a cut scene. Right. Um, so, and I thought he did well, but he's more of the calling him like elephant man style Joker. Right. Where he's got a lot of facial features that are different. So again, another, that's probably the hard part too, about this cast. Like where do you go from this movie in the sense of you can't, that was Heath Ledger was amazing, but if they tried to write it again, like what we saw, it would have never worked. We no. already seen it with Jack. Well, and now that I think about it, I think an interesting dark horse of that era of Batman as a villain, I'd be curious to see Tom Hanks as a Batman villain. Oh. Like, I feel like, as especially at the time, it's like he only did things like the Burbs and Money Pit and like all of these different things. Like, I bet you he could pull off a good villain. I really yeah. do. Especially a comic book villain. I mean, because I think he's in a similar vein to Keaton, in my opinion. Like, I, I think that like Tom Tom Hanks has never been a buff guy. It's never his it's his face and his delivery and his Sorry, character. Mr. Hanks. Uh, <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> Especially lately. He's getting even skinny. He's real right? frail now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like I, I think he has the acting chops similar to what Keaton did in this movie that he could convince me. Um, as, to be a comic book level villain for sure. Um, yeah, more so than, I don't think Tom Hanks could be a, a hero 
like a comic book hero. But right. I think weirdly, for some reason, I can see him as a villain. Um, and I'm not quite sure why I have that kind of line in the sand. But that would be intriguing to me to see if he would ever venture into that territory. Yeah. I like it. He's been doing a lot of those like roles where he was Di Walt Disney. He was the Elvis guy. He's been wearing a lot of prosthetic makeup style yeah. stuff. Like maybe he'd really get into it and be different looking, but still have that Tom Hanks yeah. draw that he has. Um, yeah, I, I dig that, you know? So uh, when we think about Batman and Bruce, is, is Keaton the best Bruce Wayne? Are you, you have a... Uh, tally there is it still Christian Bale I think it's always is Christian I know Christian Bale is your favorite Batman and uh, is he your favorite Bruce Wayne I yes I feel okay. like he's, he's my favorite Bruce Wayne he it, again though I feel like similar to the suits I feel like Batfleck is a close close second and yeah. I feel like depending on my mood I might flip-flop those. <laughs> so, I hear that yeah I hear that but it's interesting Keaton and Jack will always I, I have these in my notes as defining roles stand the test of time roles like you know and it is so yeah it is what it is there one thing I'll say it's uh, my the year I graduated Keaton actually s uh, spoke at the graduation that was for the whole college oh, not really? just each individual school college um, and he did end it with the and don't forget. I'm Batman, you know. And well, you're I, welcome I as being cool. several years older and classes above you in Kent State that my <laughs> tuition dollars paid for Keaton to come. Because I, we just had our dean of the school. We didn't have any even a keynote speaker. So you're welcome <laughs> for getting <laughs> Batman to come. I, I, you had, hey, I heard Paul Scrutney did the score and the music at yours. So there you go. You, you came out pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember watching, I've watched that speech on YouTube so many times. Like, it's such a cool I couldn't imagine being there during that and it's funny that I mean the fact that he still embraces that character as his kind of like I mean he's done so many other stuff and he's he's an award winner now with like Birdman yeah. and all that stuff but he's he's Beetlejuice in this, don't yeah. say it some more times yeah. <laughs> well he's in this era right now where I feel like similar to Harrison Ford he's feeling his own nostalgia in his life sure. where I think some of his kids that were young at the time and not old enough to comprehend my dad's Batman. Yeah. They're doing it now. Same with Harrison Ford. They're doing it now to show their kids that are grown adults. Look, your dad still got it. I'm still Batman. I'm still Indiana Jones. And cause not only is, is Keaton doing um, this flash movie, but he's signed on to do Beetlejuice too as right. well. He's coming yeah. back with Winona, like all of that, like that's going to be, I mean, this nostalgic resurgence and seeing these guys understand the importance of this nostalgia to fans, but also now you can tell it is part of who they are is so cool to me. Um, yeah, I just, I can't wait to see. The funny thing is I have a hard time even saying I can't wait to see The Flash. I can't oh, wait yeah. to see Keaton as Batman. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll, right. just, I'll say it that way instead. And I think we can take all the credit for this resurgence. So, I think so too. You know, it's all because yeah. of the, <laughs> the God Geek podcast. <laughs> um, no, this this has been a blast. Like, this is why we do it, though. And we're talking about a new movie from 1989, as I said, because a new one from 2023 is coming out with the same person under the same cowl. And I cannot wait uh, for just to be... Sitting, I'm gonna feel like a kid again. This yeah. will actually be my first time seeing Keaton as Batman in a theater, yeah, and I'm same. a 35 year old. Isn't that ins that's just mind boggling? Yeah, and I'm so thankful that it's gonna exist. I'm I'm happy. Yeah. I'll just 
go and get popcorn and go to the bathroom when the flash is on. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Plenty of bathroom breaks, yeah. Plenty of bathroom breaks. <laughs> but no, this has been a, a blast. And, you know, cats out of the bag. We're going to do Batman Returns uh, for our next episode. So um, double bat feature. And, and if you thought this one was fun and wild, I mean... This next episode is going to be a whole nother show because of this. So it's a whole nother movie. Yes. That's just insane. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and who knows? Maybe after Batman Returns, maybe mm-hmm. I might have some new outlooks on Keaton mm-hmm. and if, if he added some muscle mass to himself. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll that'll be it. I'm looking forward to this double feature for sure. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks everybody for listening. And until the next time you see us or hear us, be sure to live your life with just a little bit of whimsy. I love Bill Murray. Thank you for tuning in to Bygone Geek. Please rate and review our podcast and follow us on Instagram at Bygone Geek. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here 